All right, we're going back uh, to what we were doing. Pick back up again. Now, we want to talk about the disciples for a minute. And we're going back to the book of Luke. And uh, we'll see what we got to say in, in the book of Luke again on this subject. We're in the 21st chapter. And so let's go to that and uh, pick up some more stuff. And then we're going to head on to the other. And uh, the Bible said in, in verse 28 of chapter 21, He tells us, And when these things begin to come to pass, when they begin to come to pass, He tells those Jews, Then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. I'm sure you've heard that, ver- that, that verse quoted or used many times in your Christian life, hadn't you? But what we don't look at is who it's given to. It was given to the Jews. He's talking to them. And this is about the, the earth and the kingdom of heaven when he's going to establish his kingdom with the Jews. Now, you have to look at that. So now looking at all that, we can kind of cipher it out and see it. And uh, it's in a response. How come he's having to answer that? He's in a response to a question that was given in Luke chapter 21 and verse number 7. So see, we're going to back up a little. So go back to verse number 7 of chapter 21, and you'll find out why all this is being said. And we don't want to take it out of context. 21.7 of Luke says, And they ask him, saying, Master... But when shall these things be? And what sign will there be uh, when these things shall come to pass? Remember the Jews always look for a sign. The, the Jewish people always do. Uh, now most uh, Baptists do. We've got to have a reason for everything. And we've got to look it all the way and, and see that. Uh, I didn't have this problem 20 years ago, didn't have this problem 10 years ago, didn't have this problem 40 years ago, and even when I first started preaching. The deeper you get into the Word of God, you'll say things and you don't explain them. I don't have time to explain every sentence I say because I'm on a subject. I get on a subject, I try to stay there. Don't always do it, but I try. But then what happens is when you get something coming up see they're they're just reading in the middle you read verses 20 down through 28 that we just run read a while ago why in the world is this talking who is it talking to so you go back and try to find out and i've done it backwards on a purpose today so we go back to verse 7 and it says there's what i just uh, read it it said and they ask him saying master but when shall these things be what things these things here about the sun and the moon and the stars. They want to know, when's this going to happen? And he's going to say, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? Or they were, they're going to ask him. This is the, disciple. the disciples are doing this. And verse 8 says, and he said, now the he is Jesus. Do you have a red, have a red letter Bible? Ain't that red letters? Yeah. All right. Take heed that ye be not deceived. I like that. I I can tell you it's red-lettered where you've got a red-lettered Bible anyhow to see who's speaking. For many shall come in my name. Now this is going to be like the first 
part of chapter 24 of Matthew. Saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth nigh, or draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. All right. He says in verse 9, But when ye shall hear of wars and rumors, or and commotions, I've mixed it with Matthew, be not terrified, for these things must come to pass, but the end is not by and by, or is not by and by. Then said he unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, and king and great earthquakes, and, and I'm not going to read all that because I just want you to see that. I'm saying that this snatching away that we just read after a while ago uh, is, is when God calls the saints out. But this is when it's going to be for the uh, and and that's also for the church. <coughs> but this is going to be the wind up when the Lord sets it and establishes His kingdom. There won't be a rapture for that because this will be the people that's come out of the tribulation. They'll already be here. See, and I'll talk about the others later. But they'll already be here because they're having to run, hide. God's going to take care of them, protect them. And he's going to send them back into the Holy Land. Down the road, I wouldn't have believed this a long time ago, but I'll throw in this, and I call it, I, I think it's going to be right, but I'm going to call it Dealsology right now. That means I may not have it right here. I don't know everything Barry is to know about that, neither do you. So I'm saying, hey, we had, and I started on this lesson just in the last time we was here, I talked about anti-Semitism. You know what anti-Semitism is? It's something that's against the Jew. If you are against the Jew, you're anti-Jewish. In other words, Semitism has to deal with the Jews. Uh, they're anti-Semitic is another word that you put in that. But anti-Semitism. Countries hate the Jew. Uh, I can give you a lot of reasons why I believe they hate the Jew. Matter of fact, I can prove a lot of them are there. And one of them just because where they're at now and what they're there. And you're going to find out right now that God is against the Jew right now. You, you tell that to church folks and they say, got to be good to the Jew. Got to be good. No, God said if you're good to them, he's good to you. You don't have to be good to them. Well, you want the blessing of God, I guess you might better try it. Yeah. Amen. It'd be in your favor. But it's, it's, it's in your favor to be good to everybody. Yeah. Amen. He's against them. Did I say God hated them? Yeah, okay. I thought maybe I might have said that and didn't understand it. No, I don't say he hates them. I don't, God don't hate nobody. But I'm saying he's against the Jews. Uh, it's a grace of God that God will even save a Jew. Just like it's the grace of God He'll save me. Wouldn't the Jew been the orphans of God speaking of God? Yes, sir, they have been. They're the one to give us the Bible. Yeah. An oracle is something somebody's speaker. Speaker. He's a, a, basically like a prophet, but not completely. Yeah, he's, he's speaking it like the voice of God. Yeah. Okay. So what happens uh, one of these days, and I'm that he's going to get them. I'm going to give you this in some eventual time down the road. I'm going to give you this, how God's going to bring them out of the country. I did some of that in the last lesson, or last study. And he's going to bring them out of the world and bring them back to the Holy Land. 
You see, they you said they come in 48, and I did mention this, I believe, in 48, but they come in under the mandate of military and financial support of a few nations. But they were under, they're in the Holy Land today because of Gentile authority. Because they're not in the land like God wants them in the land because they can't go uh, up to the hillside and do this and do that and can't fight certain things and certain people unless they get permission from the Gentile world. See, they're, they're still an enemy of the Gentile world. And when Christ came, the Jews thought that He was going to come in, draw a sword, and knock down all the uh, kingdoms of the earth and set up His kingdom and be their king. And that's why they rejected Him. Because the heat, and I'm going to prove this to you in just a minute. If I have to jump over a whole lot and come back and get him. But what's happened in 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 the Word of God? They have rejected him because he did not he did not follow after God. The Jews didn't, and did not take down the kingdoms of this earth and become the king of the world. Okay? Now let's let's move a little forward. I'm going to skip some of this and go back to it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to spend, I guess, the rest of the day between, well, I guess several books of the Bible, but mainly the book of uh, Matthew. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And I'm going to read this one verse. You go back and read the rest of that chapter. And from the days of John the Baptist. Kind of fix this in your mind. John the Baptist before Jesus was baptized. Until now, it says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth. The kingdom of heaven suffereth. And it says violence. Suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. In other words, what he's trying to tell us, and he's giving it to us in the New Testament, he's trying to tell us the reason it's under Gentile rule today is simply because one situation happens and one king takes over another king and another king takes over another king, and we're going to talk about that too. And they do it by force. It's not ordained to God. God lets them go in. God keeps them from going in. But Gentile domination is around us. We're Gentiles, but Washington is ruled by Gentiles. There's, there's Jews. Um, Chuck Schumer's a Jew. He's a Jew. And now he's the uh, leader of the Senate. Now, the head mouthpiece of the Senate. And uh, they've been in and out, and there are a lot of people been there. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about ruling of the kingdoms, the rules of countries. And uh, it's under Gentile rule. Jews don't run it. There's a few that are out in leadership, but they, they're not, it's not uh, like they're looking for it. So since John the Baptist, he said, it's, they, it's taken over and ruled by violence. One king kills another king or one nation rises against another king. 
And Israel will never become ruler of the world or ruler of the countries until Jesus himself comes and he'll have to take the rulership. And he's got to put down the Gentile. You said, I don't even see that. Well, I know you don't, and we're going to see it in just a minute. I mean, I guess go by what the book says. Now, there's a kingdom on the earth, or kingdom of heaven on the earth now. But it's not ruled by the king, Jesus. And it's ruled by whoever can get enough muster to get up and do it. But it's ruled by violence. God wants a kingdom on the earth. But he wants a kingdom that's ruled by righteousness and not violence. And that will never happen until he's in complete 100% control. And that's where it's at. I want you to turn your Bible. And this settles it all for me. Uh, i got a lot of other things that settled it too. But let's go to Daniel. And uh, let me see what chapter. Let's go to chapter number 7. I want you to look at this chapter 7. By the way, Daniel... Uh, Daniel and Joseph, you know those two Bible characters? You can look at all the Bible characters you want to in the, in the Old Testament, New Testament. But you won't find anything detrimental or discouraging or wrong with Daniel and Joseph. You can't find nothing that you put your hand on against jo- uh, Joseph in the, New Te- in the Old Testament. Joseph was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And you won't find anything wrong with Daniel. Daniel had a, a perfect looking record. I ain't saying he wasn't a sinner. I'm saying that all are sin and come short. But you don't have nothing said about him in the Bible against him. And Joseph, them too. Moses, he had some problems. David had some problems. Abraham had some problems. But you won't find nothing negative about them two guys. I just throw that in. But Daniel had Nebuchadnezzar to deal with. Wednesday night I talked that Nebuchadnezzar, type of the devil, type of, of, of uh, Satan, and he was the king of Babylon. And if you look at chapter 7, he clears this up, and this is one where I'm going to come to, because this chapter 7, and there's one more place when Nebuchadnezzar built that image, and this is talking about the same thing that you find that uh, you know he these kingdoms on the earth so read verse 1 it said in the first year of Belshazzar king of Babylon Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters now Daniel's telling basically summing it up from Nebuchadnezzar's day because he had a dream and had an image. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. That's God's dealings with the land. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another, or different from each other. For these beasts come up out of the sea, and he's going to tell you they're symbolic of the world empires. In verse number four, he said, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked 
and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. So it's got a kingdom of a man. And in this case, we're going to find it was from Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. That's the first kingdom that's actually established. And this is where it comes out. So you said a while ago uh, that the Gentile rule begins here. We'll go, go back earlier than that in just a little bit. But right now, we're going to talk about where the Gentile rule started. Started from Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. Seventy years of captivity. You've heard me preach about that a lot of times, haven't you? All right, then the second thing, I don't know how long this empire lasted. I could look all that up, but to me it's not relevant. I don't care how long it lasted. It started and it ended. And uh, unless you're trying to prove something else, from the scriptures, you won't need to know that anyhow. But the second one is uh, the Medo-Persian Empire. So somewhere, some point in time, actually God took the kingdom away from Nebuchadnezzar. Is what actually happened. But uh, this nation of Media, Medo and Persia, they got the power and the authority. And they, they move into, into their place. And it says in Behold, another beast. He's calling these kingdoms beast. Because that's what we got. It, when you say today the Gentile rule of, of the country is, is a beast, it's scary, isn't it? That the nations are taking over. And we're going to head to one more world system. You see, the world thinks it can make itself better. These kingdoms have started that. Right now, these people that believe that they're going to get us to where the country is going to be a utopia. No problems. That's why the world health system and all this thing, this thing is taking place. They're going to make us to where we're going to be all healthy, all wealthy. That's why they're working on the one world money. And we're all going to be religious and righteous. We're going to have one God and it ain't going to be our God. Uh, they're not talking about the one world church system being Christianity. That'll be the lowest that they'll have. And when the church is moved out of here, they're going to go wild. That's why it's going to be more perplexing. The world right now has got a problem. they got the Holy Spirit of God that's dwelling in the people of God. And that we are the ones that's keeping them held back. They think we're the boogers. They think that we are the troublemakers. They think we are the useless eaters. We're the ones that fights their program. That's why they don't like Christians hanging around in anything. That's why they don't like those who have pushed for conservatives and all that. They want you to be liberal because that's the world leader. His place is coming in. He's the God of this age. And he's instigating all of what you see. So I won't read these so much, but I'm going to show you what's going to happen. In verse 5, you find the Medo-Persian Empire. It lasted for a little while. And then next, in verse number 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. See, a world empire... 
uh, or Gentile Empire is ruling, still ruling. That was the Grecian Empire under Alexander the Great. And now we're coming down, and you see these are happening. These are backed up by history, every one of these. Then in verse 7, And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue, the Bible said, with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. That means it's got some more authority coming out there under the nations. And I'm not going to name those. I don't know those right now. I could probably find what the, what those nations are. But you see, in verse 8, it went to something else. That was the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire was way back yonder, but we still have the Roman Empire that has not been defeated. It was in power when Jesus was crucified. It was Roman soldiers. That wasn't who crucified him, but they, they, they nailed him to the tree. Our sins is what put him on the tree. Yes. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I do too. I believe this will be the, the Jezebel and the, uh, the harlot in Revelation. Because it has not. Well, yeah, that's part of them, yeah. So I'm talking about the, the things that you're seeing now is dominated by Roman Catholicism today dominates most of the world. I used to have a problem with that. Uh, I said Islam is the fastest growing religion of the world. But I notice now we're getting a lot. But now, did you see that uh, Romans, the Roman Catholics, and uh, Islam are trying to pair up and agree and and, and I could never figure out how they're going to come together to be one, the one world church. I believe the one world Bible will be, end up being like the NIV or something like that. And because uh, it's it's so far it's so perverted. And uh, that's my my theory. And I I don't everybody's got one of them, but uh, I don't have no Bible to give you. But then you see what happens. It's it's split up, and that's why you got the ten horns. And it goes on down through verse number. Eight, but I want to show you what's going to finally wind up. And here, if you don't get this verse, you're not you're gonna omit what I've been finished to teach today. It said in verse nine, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Now the God says all in thrones. Gentile rule is gonna be over. That's basically what we started with today. Gentile rule. The when the fullness of the Gentiles come in is in verse nine in, in Daniel, chapter number seven. He said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days. Can I ask you today who the ancient of days is? God. He's the ancient of days. He's always been here. Huh? He said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit. I'm telling you, he's not sitting now in the thrones on the earth whose garment was white as snow, righteousness, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. Revelation chapter 1, you see the glorified Christ. His hair is white as snow. And, and his throne was like the fiery flame. You'll find him in chapter 1 of Revelation. 
you know, he had a flame of fire, and his wheels as burning fire. And so he looks at that and he says, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. What's he coming in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation? He's coming on white horses and, and uh, uh, fire will come out of his mouth. Remember that? Thousands, thousands, uh, thousands ministered unto him. How many is thousands, thousands? He said thousands, thousands. It's more than that. There you go. A thousand, thousand, I could tell you what it is. But if you tell me thousand, thousands with an S on it, I can't tell you. And ten thousand times ten thousand stood. I can name that. The judgment was set and the books were open. Now this is a judgment that many people don't see. But he's going to judge the nations with this. How many sermons you heard lately about the judging of the nations? You've heard it sometimes mentioned. He said, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away. Taken away, got it? Taken away. Yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. And we'll have to give you that somewhere else. <clears throat> but look at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man. We know who that is, don't you? It's the Lord Jesus. Came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. As these days are still going to be prolonged. Verse 14, And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now, I'm going to give you something a little deeper than that. Let me go back and find where I want to go. And we'll read it to you. And I pray that the Lord might help us. Yep. Let's go back toward Nebuchadnezzar had an image. That's back in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. He had an image. He dreamed. Daniel straightened it out. A head of gold. A chest of, and breastplate. Breast of what? Brass? Fine, huh? I'll give it to you in a minute uh, here. We're going to chapter 2 and verse number 31. Chapter 2, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This is Nebuchadnezzar. He lost his dream. He got Daniel, who had a mind of God. And he gave the interpretation of this image. Told what it was. Verse 32, the image's head was of fine gold. Now just notice gold. Gold's the most precious of the metals. His breast and his arms of silver. I said brass. Silver. 
Silver stands for redemption. It's the second most valuable metal. Right? And his thighs of brass. Brass stands for judgment. His legs of iron. His feet part of iron and part of clay. Now part iron and part clay don't stick together. Clay is the heaviest metal. I mean not clay. Uh, gold is the heaviest metal. So you got the head. This is a top heavy image. Got it? Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. Another mystery. Which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. This will be the Lord Jesus in the wind up when he will disperse all the kingdoms of the world. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. In other words, they won't be no more. That no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain. The stone that was cut out by hands will become a great mountain and fill the whole earth. Does that make, is that sensible? Do you see what's going on? The Lord is coming. And this is what we call His second coming. Don't come for the church. That's not His second coming. His second coming is when He puts His feet on the Mount of Olives in reference back to Acts when He went up out, you know, and of course it's not there, that's coming back in the clouds for in the air. But coming up after that is this setting. Let's read on because I want you to see this again because it tells this again. This is the dream. We will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. More valuable than any of them because he's gold. Got a gold head, right? For, God, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom. God sets them down and God raises them up. Nebuchadnezzar was used of God but was not uh, the, the ruler like God. And he said he had it was given thee a kingdom, power, and strength and glory. He had the kingship. I've told you Wednesday night that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was the greatest of all Babylonian kings. That's going down through history. According to the Word of God, you see it. He is the greatest of all kings, other than the Lord Jesus, who has not been king yet. Now, a lot of people agree with what I'm talking about today, but you can see it plain as a nose on your face. God wants you to see it. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of heaven hath, been, hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. That's why he's at the top of the list. Now, it says in verse 39, After thee shall rise... Arise another kingdom. This time he's going to be inferior to thee. He's going to be less. 
and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. Over all the earth. You see, it's a, a kingdom on the earth. Verse 40, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that uh, breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the, the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, and the Roman kingdom is divided. Been that way for a long time. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And it is. It's been the longest ruling kingdom, I guess, hasn't it? Because it's been way back yonder and it's been around for a long time. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with merry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. That's why we can't get along with the Catholics today. We mingled together, but we don't bow to them. Now, verse 44, this is what's interesting. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom. This is the kingdom I've been talking about all morning. Which shall never be destroyed. The next time another kingdom is uh, out, uh, coming into play will be when Jesus sets up the kingdom and it will never be destroyed. Why? There won't be no devil around. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. See, nobody else is going to get it. But it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand. There you go. I was waiting for somebody to say it. And she said, forever. Amen. That's what I'm looking for. Now, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not working for the kingdom on heaven. But I'm looking to see that the Jews are reestablished and settled and they'll have their king on the earth that they've been wanting for ages. They'll have their land that's been promised to them from Abraham. They will be where they'll study war no more. Even all that stuff. Verse 45. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter, and the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Now twice in this same book, David has conveyed to us that there's going to be one cut out of the mountain, not made by hands. That means God's going to do it. Got a question? Is that plain enough? That's the last kingdom right there. Those Jews were still looking for that. So we slip over, and I want to go to something else, and I'm going to skip a little bit and see if I can get over here. And uh, we see that the devil has been trying to run the kingdom for ages. But after the Gentiles, 
See, in the book of Genesis, let me just just let me sum it up a minute. In Genesis, God made Adam and Eve. Adam from the dust of the ground and Eve from the rib of Adam. And he put them in the garden, told them not to eat a certain fruit, and they, they eat of it. They paid the price. The devil convinced them to do it. God expelled them. And there's a lot of stuff I'm skipping over. And God put them out of the garden. And so then we find that man began to get worse and worse and worse to the earth. It was filled with, with all kinds of violence. And then God said, I'm going to destroy the earth that I made. He even repented God that He made man. And God prepared Noah for 120 years. He preached a flood coming. Then after 120 years, God sent a flood on the earth. And there wasn't but eight souls that come out of that out of 120 years. Unless there had been some born again and died in that period of time. But only eight come through the flood. And God told them to go out and multiply. And they did. And in a short period of time, they multiplied enough. There's four, ironically, four men, four women. Yes. Where did all the other nations of people, where did they come from? From they were destroyed. From, from, uh, all right. Huh? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. No. Not yet. You don't think he said, don't say something about two of all nationalities. Could that be in two of all nations of people? No. No, that's in in the ark. No, that's animals, two by two in animals. Animal kingdom. I know. I can understand the eight, but knowing them was the bloodline of Jesus. That's right. That's how I saw it come out. You had Noah, his wife, his three sons, uh, which is and their wives. That makes six. Two is eight. But now what what happened to all the other people? No, there wasn't no there wasn't no races then. There wasn't no nationalities of people then. You can't get a nationality out of out of one man and one woman and get nationalities from them. Some, well, hey, let me tell you. This is something that's been thrown at me for years and years. I don't know why I get myself into. And somebody comes up with something like that, and I will. I will worry myself to death till I find an answer. Because I I don't my Bible has all the answers. I preached that for years. I ain't gonna change my mind. It does have all the answers. I don't know all of them. But the Bible, and here's what people say. I've been told that what God did is he made another race of people of young or another race of people of that's what and you know, from the physical, literal physical mind that I've got. I can see where they're coming from that. Only thing is, I just don't find it in the Bible, and that's what I live by. And if it ain't in the Bible, it ain't, ain't there. I ain't going to list it. So God told Adam and Eve to go out and multiply. They did. And there wasn't no races. It was all, it wasn't even no Jews. It was no Jews. The Jew did not show up to the 12th chapter of Genesis through the man called Abraham, or Abram at that time, a friend of God. Well, that's what they call him. So, there's out multiplying. There's, 
Cain killed Abel, and then Cain went to the land of Nod, knew his wife, and everybody thinks that that's, he went over in the land of Nod and married a wife. That ain't what he said. He went and knew her wife. Let's, huh? Let's go back to Genesis just to show you. And God didn't make any other races. You say, well, where were God? I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. The races are because of a curse. Nope. That's when he confused the languages. <laughs> let's, let's look at that. I, I, I'm heading that direction. Anyhow, so I was giving you that. Let's, uh, let's see. What, what do I want to look at first? The Bible said, and the reason I say there couldn't be any more races around, yeah, I don't know where I'm going now. Genesis chapter number 2. Yeah, maybe over a bit further. Yeah, I wonder how to get the right plate. In Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 said, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. We got littles in here, but adults ought to be able to read through that and said, Adam knew Eve. That's in a marriage context. That's what that word knew. Adam knew Eve. Adam knew Eve. Okay. And the reason I say that, the Bible says in the Word of God that Eve is the mother of all living. The bloodline was clean back then. Didn't have a sin we have now. So they, they married, intermarried. We'd call it today incest, but there was none of them to do. And that was not when it was because the races have been mixed and all that stuff now. This would be another study for me to have on a Saturday, but uh, look at verse 16 of chapter 4. It said, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, we know what that means. He got away from God. He's already away from God. He wouldn't kill his brother. And Cain went out from the presence of, of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. Dwelt. That means he took up his abode, lived there. I don't know where he had a wife. If he did, it was a sister. Had to be a sister. Somebody said, oh, I don't have it. Well, read it any way you want to read it, but this is how it goes. And it said in the... Uh, he, he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Then in verse 17 it said, And Cain knew his wife. Verse 1 of chapter 4, Adam knew Eve, his wife. God just didn't choose to tell us her name. So, that's how they started creating. God said, you go out and create the world. This is outside the ark. Of, I mean, outside the Garden of Eden. So they multiplied. They got sinful and wicked and ungodly, and God destroyed all the earth by water, flooded. There's only eight souls come out of that ark, and God said to them, "You go out and recreate, populate the earth again." So those started off. So you see it twice. Uh, they're all married. I'm all in the, in the same family. There's lots of people, thousands of people, millions, I guess, 
it that's 2,000 years into creation. A lot of people can be born in 2,000 years. There are going to be a lot of people born in 1,000 years of the reign of the kingdom on the earth through those Jews. Not through the church. We're going to be kings and priests at that time. We're not going to be marrying and giving in marriage in the kingdom. See, we're a different, we're a different set of animals. It's Jews, church, and Gentiles. So when we get over into this thing, we find that they go a little while, and next thing you know, they decide what we're going to do is we're going to make us a kingdom of our own. We're going to climb up to heaven our way. Cain's already tried it and didn't get by with it. But now the earth says we're going to do it, so they build them a tire to climb up to heaven. Going to make a name for their, ourselves, it says. You know, that's in the 10th the chapter of Genesis. Don't take man long, does it, to not honor God. And uh, I think I'm, that's in the 11th chapter. In the 11th chapter of Genesis. So God comes down and confuses their languages, and he scatters the people on the earth and stops that little thing. Then we turn on over to chapter 12. The first 11, uh, let me back up a little bit too, because I've got to back up to something else. Because something happened when, after Noah came out of the ark, he got drunk. He was a husbandman. That didn't mean he had a bunch of wives. It meant that he was a tender of, of the vineyard. And he made wine, got drunk. You said, that's a man of God. Yeah. I ain't saying that a Christian can't get drunk. Never I preach that. I say it's a disgrace that he does it. I've seen the, uh, Why do you think God tells us in the Word of God, look not on the cup when it's raging and all that. God's trying to warn off anybody from doing it. I find the Scriptures, uh, people in the Word of God who have gotten drunk. Noah's one of them. Lots of others have. So, in looking at that, there was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Three sons. Ham, his father went to sleep and is drunken. And Ham went in and come back out bragging about his father's nakedness. Now, I could go into a lot of detail today, but we're not all at the place we need to hear all of it. I'm not at the place I want to tell it in front of everybody. But I'm saying to you, something happened. I got my speculations. And uh, I don't believe it was just something like nakedness. Because people see people's nakedness all the time. If God had that kind of a curse on them, it goes a little deeper. Just that's, all, that's all I'll say. And then, so God said, Cursed be Canaan. Now, Canaan was not one of the sons, he was a grandson. A servant of servants shall he be. Oh, we hear that. That's a curse. Uh, then when we get into chapter, let me see which chapter, chapter 10. This is after the curse. Chapter 10 says, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah. Verse 1. 10th chapter. These are them. Shem, Ham, Japheth. That's his three sons. And then you begin to see in verse number 2, the sons of Japheth. And he starts telling them who his sons are. Gomer, Magog, Medea, and, and, and you'll see them, and they come on down. 
And it says in verse number 5, the last sentence of that says, Everyone after his tongue, after their families, in their nations. God began to separate the nations. So Japheth is what us old Gentiles come from. Then it says in verse 6, And the sons of Ham. Now this is to give you a good study and keep you talking about your neighbor while you're studying it. Keep you on the right track. Keep you where God wants you. To, to search all these nations. And you'll see down there it comes down to verse in verse number 10. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. And they're the ones that tried to build the tower. And Achad and Calne in the land of Shinar. That's where they went. And this is uh, those folks that, I guess you'd call them the Orientals, the Africans, the Canaanites. I suppose that's who you'd call them. And then it says in verse number 20, these are the sons of Ham after their families, after their tongues, in their countries, and in their nations. And you look at those nations, these will have a certain color to them. And then when you get to verse 21, unto Shem also. Now the Shem is the head of all the Jewish nation. Because it says, the father of the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth, of the elder, even to him were children born. Verse 32, these are the families of the sons of Noah, after their generations in their nations it said and by these were the nations divided in the earth after the flood that ought to be self-explanatory and we could speak on that for hours that ought to be self-explanatory of where all the different nations come from they're scattered and God makes it plain but when he gets to the 11th chapter of Genesis you done got everything figured out if you, if you read it correctly. And that's the way the world's been going since then. And all these nations. So it is important what you think about the Jew. So we get that. And then we, don't, we get on over and we find we get on over a little bit further that uh, the Gentiles uh, have been... As a matter of fact, God put... Cain and his side and the Gentiles and them over there and, and after the flood they come out and they come through uh, Japheth, not Japheth, the first Shem, no Shem, Ham, yeah Japheth they come through Japheth and they've all been on Japheth and that's that ended up not being Gentiles, I mean not being Jews but being Gentiles so from that day on after Abraham God did, you not see much left of, of the Gentiles anymore. The only time that the Jews had a problem with the Gentiles is when they were moving into the land and Canaanites. The Canaanites were Gentiles. And they start coming. And the only time the Jews and the Gentiles had any dealings from then on uh, was when they wanted something out of the Jew or they had to fight them. And it wasn't until you come down to Babylonia uh, where the Nebuchadnezzar come in and took them in, took the Jews into captivity that we start seeing that the Gentiles took over completely they had they had to force and God said to Israel 
I want you to be the head and not the tail. You ever heard that story? Yeah. Well, that's what God still wants. He wants you to be the, wants the Jew to be the head and not the tail. But one of these days, the Jew's been downtrodden. He's been all and all this stuff that I've talked about all morning long. He's going to be in that trouble until the Lord Jesus Christ comes. And when he comes, he's going to put down Gentile rule. He's going to be the stone cut out of the mountain without hands. And he's going to, he's not coming back like he's coming back for the church. When he comes back for the church, he's going to call us up and we all go together. And it's going to be a piece of joy, a peaceful thing, joy. But when he comes back for the, the Jew, when he comes back, puts his feet on the mountain, he's coming to rule in righteousness and he's coming with fierceness and he's going to, instead of the Gentile trodden them down, he's going to trod them down. That's why I said the other day, uh, somebody didn't like it, but I said that uh, Jesus is coming back on a white horse and we're going to be behind him on white horses and coming down. He's coming down to rule the Jew and establish his kingdom and he's not coming uh, patting people on the back hollering hallelujah. He's coming down with fierceness of wrath and with a sword he's going to be the word of God and he's going to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords. And that's why I said we're going to be on the behind him on our horses. He will be the cheerleaders. And somebody didn't like that. But it's all right. I'll be behind him hollering hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not going to the battle. They're going to be destroyed. And the ones that have trodden down God, God's people, the church, and say born again people, even today, they've trampled on us. They've trampled on on the Jews. Of course, Jews had a lot to do with that. But this is where the Jews and the Gentiles are going to be ruled. That's where God's going to separate. And I told you a while ago about the nations. Nations on His side will be blessed. Nations on the other side are going to be thrown in. You're going to throw them in the fire. That's not the way somebody like to say it, but that's all right. It's going to be true. So you're going to grab the devil. All right. Now, you know what? We had not even got to Matthew talking about the uh, parables. I'm going to give you this. It's getting close to leave, but I'm going to give you this to kind of, I guess, whet your appetite and, I guess, confuse you at the same time. We'll give you something to think on, and when we get there, you'll be all right. The first 12 chapters of the book of Matthew are very, very important. You're going to take my word for it because I don't have time to give you all the scriptures. I'll give them to you next time. Where I'll probably try to finish this. If, if you'd like, I'll finish this next time. I may not finish it, but get further into it. But we left out so much, so much in the Bible that we haven't even seen. We hadn't seen it. The first 12 chapters, when Jesus come in play as a child born on the earth, we do know he's the Son of Man and the Son of God. Son of God means he is God. The Son of Man means he was wrapped up in human flesh. We all got to believe that. And so we look at it. When he comes in, the Jews are looking for the king. So that's why you start off and why you ask lots of times. I've been teaching on Matthew chapter 1 two Sundays now but in Sunday school. But we're finding that 
he gives a genealogy right off because he's a king. He goes ahead and shows us that he has a lineage back to the father and a lineage back to Abraham. So he's got the heavenly father lineage. He's got the earthly lineage of a king. And he's got the heavenly lineage as a god. As God, see? And we know that's so. Now, and they look at that, and the reason is he starts off Gen uh, Matthew saying, Look, I'm your king. I'm your Messiah. I'm here. And he starts off right. He said, here's, the, here's my credentials. They didn't even believe it. They didn't trust it. They didn't accept it. The devil tried to say, If thou be the Son of God, and uh, then make these stones bread. And the early parts of that. He, from chapter 1 to chapter 10 in Matthew, he is trying to tell them, I'm your king. I'm your Messiah. I am the one that's going to rule with this rod, with, with a rod of iron. I'm the one that's going to have the government of his shoulders, of, uh, of the government of, of this world upon my shoulders. Has he had it yet? No, that's still future. And when he has the government upon his shoulders, he will be the ruling king. That ain't happened, but it will. You see where I'm getting at when I'm saying today he's not in 100% charge. He's charge of what he's in charge of and what he's chosen to be in charge of. You couldn't change it today for nothing. What's in this book is in this book, and this book is right, and it's going to be done just like it's in this book. And when you trust this book, it'll make you live good. It'll help you. Make you so excited. Yeah. Number 12, number yeah. That's a, a perfect number. It is. It's a governmental yeah, number. Yeah, yeah. Go, it's that's perfect governmental. Gover yeah. It deals with all avenues of, yeah. of life. Okay, now, after chapter 12, he's done come to the disciples. And he's even talked to his own disciples. And after chapter 12, they have not believed him. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Jesus said, I come into this world to die. They said, we need a, we need a, a sign. Give us a sign. You, he said, give us a sign, one sign. Jesus said, all right, I'll give you one sign. What about Jonah and the prophet, no, uh, prophet Jonah? Whereas three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so must he be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He said, that is a sign of my first coming. I'm going to come, die for you, and rise from the dead. But it's also going to be like Solomon. Let me see if I can find the scriptures out of Matthew to show you what I'm talking about. Uh pretty well in all right let's see yeah look look with me matthew chapter have y'all got time to stay just a few more minutes okay because i don't want to leave you hanging matthew chapter 12 verse 38 then certain of the scribes and of the pharisees that's the religious crowd of the day they always give jesus more trouble who we have trouble out of religious crowd of the day don't we yes matthew 12 20, matthew 12 38 then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. 
He's calling them Jews. He's talking to his disciples. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with his generation and shall condemn it because they repented. Remember them repenting at Nineveh? You ever wondered why? You know, most people know Jonah as being a, a backslidden preacher thrown in the belly of a whale. They don't recognize it and do not preach it as a prophetic book. It's a prophecy book. He said, because, Jonah, because they repented. Nineveh repented and God spared them. They repented at the preaching of Jonah's. That's what they'll If anything's going to get changed today, it's going to be the preaching of the man of God. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. He said, hey, you're not seeing this. I give you a sign. I'm greater than this man Jonas. I'm here in your midst. He's telling his disciples that. Does this make sense? I'm, boy, I've been wanting to tell this all day, and I said, I got you. Verse 42, he said, I'll not only do that, I'll give you another sign. The queen of the south shall rise up in judgment with this generation. Who is that? Who was that queen? Queen of Sheba. And shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Now, Solomon speaks of his second coming. His first coming, he's telling the Jews, I'm coming to die for sin on Calvary. And they didn't hear it. And then he said, Solomon, what did he do? He talked to Gentiles at his feet. He's a wise man. He's been teaching us all this time too. Proverbs, one of the greatest books you'll ever find. And he's teaching that. He said, but you got, you got one among you right now. That's greater than Solomon. That's shouting ground, boys. I'll tell you it is. So he said, here I am. Well, from that time on, they didn't hear him. They didn't want to hear anything else he had to say. So what did he do? And I'll tell you how I know he didn't, why he done this, and I'll tell you why. And I even mentioned this to pulpit the other day, but I didn't give you the reason. How come... Peter, James, and John and all the other disciples were not at the foot of the cross when Jesus was baptized. Why? They didn't believe Him. They did not believe He was the King. They did not believe that He was a Messiah. They did not believe He was going to set up a kingdom because what they're saying is, that ain't what we've heard. He's going to set up a kingdom. This is not Him. Give us another one. Because at the crucifixion, they said, let him be crucified. If they'd have believed he was a Messiah, they'd have been standing there. They're hiding. That's weak need. He also told them, destroy this body, and in three days I'll raise it up again. And they said, oh, he's talking about Herod's temple. It took 46 years to build. Huh? Didn't understand. They're out of it. Didn't understand. Of all people, Peter, James, and John, I would have believed would have been at the empty tomb 
standing there saying, hey, he said he's coming out. Let's go down and see if he's out today. He's, this is his day to arise from the dead. They didn't believe him. There you are. That's right. Yep, yep. It's like they would have known or heard that he was going to be crucified that day. Let me give you something. I got to get out of here, but y'all have to. But look. I'm going to give you a verse of scripture, three verses of scripture here that's mispreached. And I've been guilty of it time or two in my life. This was all brought about by Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. And then I'm going to go to some more. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil. This is right in here between all this. Blind and dumb, and he healed them insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. That's why I get so happy at my house all the time. I'm shouting off this stuff all the time. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Now these are the same ones that we've been talking about here. We're in the same chapter. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils. But by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. He's not real. He's not the son of God. And the disciples accepted that. See what I'm saying? Now, look at verse 43 of that same chapter. Boy, the scriptures go, I'll tell you what, it just digs, digs down deep and cuts the marrow of the bone out and exposes it. To, you ever get a cut and it hit, water hits on it? Stings. Verse 43. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. Now you heard this preached. I know you have. He walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. He's talking about somebody to possess. Now he's talking about this man he's done cleaned. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Now, who's speaking? I've heard people say that's Christ. It's not. And is it red letter than yours? All right. Well, he's telling the story, but this the person this this one at uh, return to the house is not Christ. And it's it said then goeth he who who's he? This is a devil. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under the, this wicked generation. Now I'm going to explain that to you. Jesus cast out the devil. He's cleaned up and all that. And now we have this story I just told you a while ago. They didn't believe him as being the Messiah. Didn't believe him as being the Christ. Didn't believe him as being the King. So they turned God off. Turned Jesus off. He said, all right, if you're not going to hear me, I'm going to change something. I'm not going to deal with this no more. I'm not going to fool with it no more. You have rejected me. You have refused me. And then he spoke up and said, it's like casting out a devil out of a man. And then the devil comes back and looks and sees it's all been washed up and cleaned up. And he says, he moves back in. And when he moves back in, he's what? If you look at this, seven he brings in seven other spirits, going to mean he's seven times worse. And from now on, I've turned on, on Israel and the Jews, 
and they're going to catch it worse than they've ever caught it. And that's since then we've had six million Jews and Jewish people have been trampled under. They're hated. They're despised. They're the most despised people on the face of the earth. And Christians are number two. Six million have been destroyed. Yep. I know it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm referring to. And they're still going under that same thing. They're being tortured. They're being despised. You see, what I'm saying is, this is not just talking about uh, being a devil cast out of. And 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 I've heard preachers say, what happens is the devil comes back in again. That's what. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that preached. But it's and it's going to come back in the man that's been cast. That's not what he's just using that as an illustration. You're seeing that. But what he's saying is, they refuse me. They won't accept me. They won't hear me. And now we're seeing it happening in church. People ain't hearing God. We're not listening to God. If we did, we'd be having revivals and people saved and church growing in grace. But they come to a strong preacher like a church here where it's got strong preaching like here. I just told him this earlier before we come in, before everybody got started. And they'll come in and say, they'll, Oh, I love your preaching. I've heard that. I've heard that multitudes of times. The way you preach, preacher, your church ought to be filled. I said, "Hang around, you'll see why they won't." Well, Peter, James, and John didn't believe him. Didn't believe he was going to be crucified. Were they saved? Yep. How could they be saved and not believe that? Well, I'm not going to get started on this because there's things that you don't believe in the Bible too. Or you do, do but you don't believe it. Huh? Well, look, he's already, or a little later, he's said, I don't know the man. Right. Said, and with the curse, huh? Hey, you see what I'm talking about? I've opened a can of worms I can't handle. Ain't that right? You ain't heard it either. I'm going to give you one more thing. I got to give you one more thing. Yeah. Yeah, he left after he was there. Yeah, that was yeah. Hmm. Well, let's just, I'll just give you one of the parables. I'll go back up and give you this again later. So, if you look in the chapter, um, Matthew chapter 12, turn over to verse 1 of chapter 13. I pr- this proves what I just said a while ago. Jesus said, I'm not going to fool in on them more. That's it. They're not going to believe me. They're not going to accept me. They're not going to receive it. So why do I want to waste my time with them? So he backs off from the from the Jew, but he still preaches. But this time he preaches in parables. You know what a parable is? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Hidden truth. Huh? Yeah. Hidden truth. That's right. It is. It's a hidden truth. You don't. In other words, you can read over it and not mean that. And we are living in Baptist churches right now that don't believe. The parables. Every time I hear them preach the parables, they're preaching it as the gospel's going to take over. The gospel ain't going to take over. Christ is going to take over. All right. Gentiles are as bad as the Jews are on this. Now, let's go to chapter 13. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat and 
of the whole multitude stood on the shore, and he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. All right, that's somebody sowing seed. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell on stony places where they had not much earth. And for and what I've heard down through the years, and I've preached it, is that some of them didn't hear it, and it, they went that way. Some of them didn't hear it, and it went that way. But what he's saying is, the sower, in this case, is Satan. When we sow the seed, he comes out sowing the bad seed. See? And it's going to be that way. And it, it, down here it says, But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And that's the saints of God that are sowing the Word of God. But every time I'm preaching, sowing good seed, there's other preachers preaching sowing bad seed. You understand that? All right. So he said in verse 9, Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. If you got any ears... So then they come on down and he gives that, but I want the one I want to go to is the second second mystery or the second parable, verse number twenty four. Another parable uh, no, it's the third one. It's the next one I want to go. Uh, it's verse thirty one. I wanted to get to that other two. I'd like to have all of these, but I ain't got time. I ain't got time. Oh God, I ain't got time. Verse thirty one. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of the seeds. It's the smallest, little bitty thing. But when it grow, it, it is grown, it is the uh, greatest among herbs and becometh a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Now, Look at this. I've heard preachers preach. They're sowing the mustard seed. We're sowing the mustard seed. It's going to become like uh, a tree and uh, the birds are going to land. Oh, the gospel is going to get so big that there's just going to be so many people getting energy from this mustard seed. Ain't got a thing in the world to do with it. What's happened when you're sowing the seed, then it talks about it down here. It's a little bitty thing, but when it's grown and come up and it's not used and it's not... It's not then, and it's not eaten like it's supposed to be. They say that's the gospel, and the gospel is going to get so big that the whole world's going to get saved in it. And you've got people today that's preaching that. They're preaching that this world's going to get better and better. That's the liberals, and it's the modernists. Go ahead. It has to die and germinate. That's right. That's right. I just given you that enough to talk about it next time. Because that time's gun got me. I wish I wish we had about this is one of them days I can believe I could take it up two or three hours. We're worried about it. I know we enough people here, but the spirit of the Lord is here. Yeah, yeah, the Lord's been here today, hadn't he? <laughs> yeah. Amen. I love that book. Does that make a kind of a different outlook on it? You're gonna look the rest of the way. Yeah. I'm gonna study the parables for uh, this. Yeah. Time. Yeah, we're going to get into them. Yeah, I'm on. I'm How many on. parables are there? Twelve, is it? I don't know. I'll tell you in a minute. I think you said twelve. I'll I'll tell you about it in a minute. Yeah. Perfect number. Well, let me see where I'm at. Uh, 
she's right. I think it is. Well, I don't really remember to tell you the truth. Wait till we get over the 17th. I'm going to go back on through the book of Matthew from here. And you're going to see it. Uh, Fourteen thousand. Huh? There's seven. I got seven. They're spaced out. I can't. I, I see seven, but I don't know about the rest of them. I thought they're more than that. I'll tell you later. Well, even if we studied those seven, would be good. Yeah. Well, okay. see, he talks about. You read him over and over. I, I've seen something every When you go to the hood, I've heard preachers preach on the pearl of great price. You ever heard that? Oh, yes. Yes. But they got that wrong. Definitely. They got that wrong, too. And I, I preached it that way. I, you know, I thought it was right. But so I'm looking at this the way he's got it laid out. Listen, the word of the Lord is, is right. He's done the preaching. I ain't doing it. I'm preaching what he preached. I'd rather preach his sermons as anybody else's. <laughs> More so, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, let's pray and we'll go home. I I hate it, but all good things come to an end. You never get through. <laughs> no, I don't. Thank heavens you don't get through. Huh? I said, thank heavens you don't get through. Yeah. If you ever heard it all, you would. I was yeah. You ever heard it all? I wouldn't have to preach it again, would? Come back and preach it again. There's something different. So. Yeah. 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 That's true. Yeah. The same thing. We all learn. Holy Spirit guides you. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's remember, Brother Virgil. Let's remember our service tomorrow too. Let's pray the hand of God be with us. Right. Father, thank you today for the privilege of prayer. Lord, thank you for the Word of God. We've enjoyed it. I've had such a good fellowship with the throne of God. Lord, I'm glad you can have your time with us on the earth in a little study like this today. Thank you, for Lord, this small crowd uh, than we've been having. But, Lord, I appreciate what we got. And, Lord, we'd have taught if it had just been a couple, but I thank you today. For those who will stand by and look at it, and I pray God they'll have a greater desire for it than anything on the earth, Lord, that we'll just learn more and more and more and apply it to what we do. We'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.